Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Hello and welcome into the health suites on Money FM 89.3. I'm Melissa Hyak and joining us today is Dr. Bernard Lee, CEO and Executive Director of Singapore Pain Care Holdings Limited. And don't be fooled, his titles may be CEO and ED, but he is actively practicing. Hello, Dr. Lee. Thank you for coming on to the show. Hello. Hi, Melissa. Thank you for having me. Okay. First up, prostatitis is mm. inflammation, right, of the prostate gland, which yep, I yep. understand can be very painful. Yes. Um, but is all pain in the prostate necessarily, um, you know, prostatitis? Uh, okay. That is a good question. Well, first of all, maybe I may just kind of describe. Very often, people don't know what the prostate pain is like because uh, the prostate is not something easily accessible. It's inside. Mm. So, you know, um, if you may, if you put your finger, not you, but if the men put their fingers between the testes and the anus, Mm-hmm. The stretch between the uh, the, the scrotum mm. and the uh, anal fold, right. that that area is where the prostate is. Okay. So it's deep underneath the skin. Right, right. So uh, when there is prostatitis, when there is inflammation of the mm. prostate gland, patients will feel what we call the perineum pain. So that is that area mm. where, but between the testes and the scrotum uh, and the anal fold. Mm-hmm. So that area of pain, mm-hmm. and it can radiate to the testes themselves. So the testes, um, aka the bowel, Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that is the uh, a- they also can have what we call testicular pain right. and this pain can radiate further to the tip, tip of the penis oh yeah yeah and uh, all that together can be very excruciating pain in some places uh, in some of our medical uh, literature we may even describe the prostatitis pain as very much like what a woman's uh, you know, to, to the woman delivery of pregnancy kind of pain wow so it can be really really excruciating, it can be sharp and shearing, it can be really painful. And this pain itself uh, mm. can be constantly there, mm. or it can be very episodic through the day, whereby mm. it is not related to any form of uh, uh, stimulus. For example, if the patient is sitting quietly, they can get a pain, mm. or they are walking along the streets, they can get that pain. How, how, does, how does the gland get inflamed? Mm. So very often there are very quite a lot of different factors but the most common one is usually an infection so an infection can cause the prostate to be inflamed so this infection it can be in a form of what we call urine tract infection mm. or it can be a sexually transmitted disease whereby it can also you know through the urethra and then get infected in the prostate itself mm. yeah how, how common is is prostatitis among men wow in singapore it's a, it's a topic that is seldom discussed. <laughs> so um, people may not even be aware of this condition of a prostatitis, but mm-hmm. our medical literature states that it ranges anything between 9 to 14%. This is uh, international data. Mm-hmm. We actually have a local data mm-hmm. done by my, my good friend uh, MK Lee. So mm-hmm. this was reported in 2011, whereby we reported our Singapore prevalence as about 2.8% mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. of the population of Singapore suffering from chronic prostatitis. Okay. So so if going back to my first question, right? So if you feel pain as you've described, is it mm. always necessarily prostatitis? Ah, no, fortunately not. God forbid. 
Yeah, <laughs> otherwise it'd be quite debilitating. So okay. some other conditions that mimic very much like uh, prostate pain or prostatitis pain will be things like urine tract infection okay. or a bladder stone ah. or a kidney stone that's traveling okay. down the ureter that actually causes the, uh, you know, when patients may feel pain, mm. especially during urination, mm, mm. yeah, that mm. kind of pain, mm. yeah, and this this may be the starting point that heralds uh, other symptoms to follow on. So, for example, that they may start saying, "Oh, I go to the toilet and I pee. Oh, is this burning, shearing pain? That that kind of mm. like mm. cutting, you know, through mm. the uh, to the penis gland, and then uh, mm. and then after they finish maturating the last few drops, and then mm. they're still feeling that pain that goes through the perineum, and mm. and this kind of pain can be a simple urine tract infection, mm-hmm. fortunately, and or it could be just um, kidney stones that actually travel and migrated down to the bladder itself and cause a bladder irritation, you know, the stone mm-hmm. in the bladder. So these are other conditions that mimic like, a prostatitis pain. Mm. In the world of prostate health, right, how serious is prostatitis as a condition? Oh, it can be pretty uh, debilitating from patient's perspective. Mm. But uh, the other spectrum or the other end of the spectrum would be if untreated, uh, there is a link between chronic prostatitis to what we call cancer. Yes, I was just about to ask whether it's a precursor to cancer. Yeah, so the link is there, but it's not a absolute direct link. That It doesn't say that if a patient has got chronic prostatitis, they'll definitely have got the prostate cancer. But we do know that a chronic inflammation of the prostate, especially if it keeps recurring and keeps coming back and it doesn't get resolved, uh, this chronic inflammation state can actually be a precursor or trigger of uh, prostate cancer. Okay, or, or symptom of perhaps other health issues that will contribute towards prostate cancer. Yep, can that's you say right. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay, we know that men in general are um, not great with pain, but you know they are even more reluctant to see doctors, right? I think between men and women, men are thirty percent less likely to consult a doctor for any condition they might have. Yes, very well said. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> in so, my practice, I actually yeah. see a predominance of a woman with pain, mm. and you're right. The men tends to either shy away from seeking help, or that they just think that um, it's part and parcel of uh, life or aging or degeneration and they take it very much stoically. Mm, or they think I just drink more water and everything will be fine. You know? yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, the, so they, they tend to want to handle it themselves or they go and ask their friends or they, they search Google and then they try to self-medicate and try mm, to do mm, all, their own things. Yeah. Mm, mm. So where, what are the red flags that should tell men that they should right away or have women tell their men right, that they should right <laughs> away uh, go see a, a, a doctor? Okay, so for, well, first, most patients will usually start if they get the uh, initial, what we call the acute inflammation or the acute prostatitis. So uh, if the pain persists, for more than a week. And after your own self-help remedy, you go and alkalinize your urine, you drink a lot of water, you, you, you do fibers, you do all kinds of things and it's still not going away and the symptoms persist, it's definitely necessary to go and see a doctor, at least your GP, if not a specialist, mm-hmm. uh, to exclude a simple thing like a urine tract infection. Mm-hmm. So because that can be easily treated with antibiotics and that will, once treated early, it doesn't progress. Some infections will so-called persist and especially if it's poorly treated or not well treated because uh, with uh, prostatitis acute prostatitis 
early stage acute prostatitis, mm. uh, we may need antibiotics of up to six weeks. It's oh. not the simple kind of urine tract infection whereby we treat the urine infection up to maybe just five days. Why? Or prostatitis, mm. because it's a very deep-seated gland. Right. So when it's a very deep-seated gland, the blood circulation to that gland, um, it doesn't cause really right through the gland sometimes. So the oh. penetration of the antibiotics that circulates in our bloodstream does mm-hmm. not enter the gland so well. Mm-hmm. So that's the first. The second thing is that the bacteria that's, that kind of hides in the uh, prostate, once it's infected, mm-hmm. uh, it's not easily treated. They tend to hide there and it needs a long duration of uh, exposure to antibiotics to get that remedy mm. no, hence the six weeks yeah you talked you, you talked about a, a one week sort of you know observation period in a way right see how yeah, long yeah, it's yeah, done yeah. right but like, what if the pain level were only mild but it persists you know what I mean some people think mm. that oh the pain is the more painful it may definitely more serious the less painful it means it's you know getting better okay uh, that is a good point so a lot of the uh, milder symptoms whereby they don't even get pain when they're standing walking or sitting Thing. They only get pain when they go and pee and then uh, maybe it's not even the full maturation stream and it's only at the end when they squeeze the last few drops and they get a pain. Um, that is still a sign that is poorly controlled. As I said, they, uh, once, once the uh, infection stays in the body mm-hmm. and is not well treated, it tends to present itself later on as recurrence of chronic prostatitis. Okay. And chronic prostatitis, I mean, uh, we don't have time to go into that. We actually break it up into a bacterial version versus a non-bacterial version. means that one is infected. means that mm-hmm. the, every time when we do a urine test or a, a prostate uh, uh, semen analysis and, mm-hmm. and there's still uh, so-called uh, signs of the bacterial infection whereby we still use bacteria, uh, antibiotics as our first line of treatment for chronic prostatitis. And whereas okay. the other form of the non-bacterial prostatitis, mm-hmm. we may use other things that are not targeted at antibiotics to treat the prostate pain, such as uh, we call it nerve stabilizers for medications, right. or even in some cases, we may actually need to use uh, desensitization of the nerves of the prostate because the pain is so bad and the infection has already been eradicated, but uh, the nerves have been sensitized despite all efforts, and we need to go in to do a desensitization of the nerves using some specialized laser injections, very much like a root canal of a oh, sensitive tooth. Sounds painful. <laughs> Um, uh, well, when when there is a need for that, uh, we will actually have to go there, and this is usually done under uh, anesthesia, and oh. it's actually not not too bad. It can be it can be uh, done like a day procedure. The whole procedure okay. does last about the half an hour, and desensitization of okay. that prostate pain can be uh, achieved very effectively. When you said anesthesia, you're referring to general or local? Because general is like kind of kind of you know nice, right? You just kind of put on mask <laughs> yes, and you fall yes, asleep. Yes, yes, Although yes. it's I think the risk, uh, the the risk profile is higher for that. But so is it local or general? Um, it's usually done as both because uh, the need to place the uh, needle, the laser injection, near the nerves that supplies the prostate has to be very precise. So we right. need the patients to be cooperative or very still. It's <laughs> the only way to get them to cooperate is to gas them. Right? To sleep. Yes, that's right. I mean, it's kind of um, may not be that easy to to hold that position while we you know try to get to that area. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. I, I think uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of men who are listening to this are really squirming. I mean, I'm a woman, but I'm, I feel myself squirming on the inside just listening to that already. Um, how I think the most important thing, I think before you get to treatment, you know, uh, although it's important to know about them, mm. it's probably even more critical to prevent it, right? Yeah. How do yeah, you yeah. prevent, you know, and keep in good health something that's deep inside you? Yeah. Okay. Um, a few things. Uh, number one, diet. Diet has actually been found to be uh, quite uh, important in terms of uh, prostate health. So high fiber, um, good roughage uh, actually is quite important in terms of uh, maintaining prostate health. Uh, adequate hydration definitely is a must. About uh, eight glasses of water a day, you need to flush the system. You need to keep peeing out. You know, If a person pee less than three times a day, we always say that there's always an increased chance of getting uh, first, you may start off with a urine tract infection, and then you may mm. progress to what we call a prostate infection. Yeah. Mm. So, so yep, yeah, that's the second. And the third is that uh, um, if okay, this is a little bit unproven, but uh, acidic food should be avoided, and well, I wouldn't say avoided, but reduced. And alkaline food might be actually a, a, a bigger plus for for, for healthy uh, prostate okay. health. Yeah. Now, when you talk talk about acidic foods, uh, a lot of people just tend to think of oranges and lemons and all that, right? But we're not just referring to those, are we? No, 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 no. We're not, we're not talking about. What other kinds I'm talking of about simple things like even your cola, cook, oh. yeah, cola drinks, okay. yeah. and yeah, alcohol, yeah. wine, uh, yeah, right? wine, coffee, yeah. Oh. So even coffee is acidic. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I, I don't want everyone to go back and start throwing away your Nespresso and all that. But, <laughs> not likely. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, okay, it must be excessive consumption. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. not talking about a, gl- a cup of uh, coffee or a glass of uh, wine a day. No, okay. it must be really what we call an excess, okay. yeah? So, so yeah. in excess, then it will cause uh, acidic uh, buildup and, and that might cause a bit more problems to the prostate. Okay, so uh, I think to revise uh, what you just said, uh, fiber roughage refers to, you know, things that help you go to the bathroom, yeah. uh, you know, like <laughs> lots of vegetables, fresh fruits, uh, vegetables, etc. What about prebiotics and probiotics? Ah, okay. So that is uh, an area whereby uh, lots of interest is uh, there. Uh, there are some studies that suggest that probiotics seems to help, but there are other studies that say that mm, maybe not. Um, my own personal feel is that um, it might help. Uh, it's, it's very, my, my stand is very much like a vitamin C. So if a vitamin C uh, helps with uh, your immune system and uh, you know protect you from getting a common flu, although you might still be um, you know down with a flu when you're exposed to it, but um, okay. it seems to help it. So same thing, uh, I would say the probiotics can help. That's the other thing. And um, yeah, on a different track altogether is that um, also I always say um, sexual health. So the sexual health, um, be, have a healthy sexual health. Interestingly, we do recommend having a, a healthy sexual habit. So like having sex once a week or, or twice a week, mm. you know, the discharge of the uh, seminal fluid mm. in the prostate is actually helpful. It's not, mm. it's not uh, bad. Right. Yeah? So, and along the line of uh, sexual health, um, a single partner is, is very, mm. um, you know, can't be uh, overestimated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, if you have to have sex with an uh, unknown partner, you need to you know, be careful and then wear protective uh, gears like mm. um, yeah, having mm. a condom on. Yes. Mm-hmm. What yep. about going to the bathroom right after sexual activity? Is that helpful? Because I know that's recommended for women to mm. prevent uh, you know, any sort of uh, urinal sort of uh, infection. Uh, if your partner is uh, someone that you know and, and you know that the, the chance of 
of having a sexually transmitted disease is, uh, is very, very low or unlikely, then there's no bearing whether you go to the bathroom after sex. But uh, if it's a high-risk uh, sex partner, then I would say definitely you will try very hard to yes, flush it out as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what about other habits that one might have? For example, um, I know of people who you know tend to hold their, their urine in and, and not go until... <laughs> simply because sometimes people get so caught up with work, for example, or gaming yep. uh, or whatever. Or these days we are sitting down a lot more than mm. we did before. I mean, all these different changes in you know our day-to-day regular habits, yep. do they have an impact? Uh, yeah, that's why I was saying the hydration part. So if you drink enough, you need to pee enough as well because uh, okay. the body cannot hold the urine for that long. So okay. minimum of three times of pee a day, that's, uh, we, I call it a threshold. Okay. So that's the first. And then uh, another myth that I thought would be good for me to dispel is that uh, tight underwear. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what about them? Okay. So there has been a myth going on that tight underwear can actually increase, uh, you know, risk to uh, prostate cancer or uh, prostatitis uh, for that matter. Um, no, that's not true. So uh, tight uh, underwear does not uh, increase the risk of that. Okay, so, yeah. you know, embrace your silhouette, men. <laughs> okay. <laughs> although, although tight underwear may impact other things, like uh, we can say that especially if they are family planning and trying to have a family, you know, the the semen quality, all this uh, will be impacted uh, with regard to uh, tight underwear. And also with with Singapore's humidity, it may not be ideal because there's less ventilation and, you know, you you get more prone to certain uh, things growing, right? (laughs) Nothing belonging to you. Okay. All right. Hey, Dr. Lee, you know, I could go on and on because I I can imagine as a woman, I have a lot of curiosity about it, but I'm afraid we've got to leave it here for now. Thank you so much. Yep, yep. Thanks. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for sharing so generously your, your insight. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. We've been speaking to Dr. Bernard Lee, CEO and Executive Director of Singapore Pain Care Holdings Limited. I'm Melissa here for the Workday Afternoon, and you are with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.